0: Welcome to Mariner's Church Weekend Message Podcast, inspiring people to follow Jesus and fearlessly change the world. Discover your purpose and get connected by visiting marinerschurch.org or click the link in the show notes.
1: I'm so glad you were with us this weekend at Mariner's Church. And before we start, I wanna say happy Mother's Day to my mom who's watching from Tennessee. Thank you, mom, for the massive impact You've made in my life for pointing me to Jesus, being such an amazing example of grace and truth all combined. You are amazing, and and all the moms at Mariners Church who shepherd your children well. Thank you for being who you are, for being the great example that you are. A couple of months ago, Super Bowl weekend, our life group here at Mariners Church gathered to watch the Super Bowl. We get to the home of the couple who is hosting us, and there was a game that we were all gonna play. We had to predict certain outcomes in the Super Bowl. But, but not just who would win the game, small things like who would win the coin toss? Would the first play be a, a rush or a pass? And then how long would the national anthem be? So everybody guessed, and my wife, who hasn't watched a game for the last five years, she won. She won and has been letting me know about it ever since. And one of the questions that she won was how long was the national anthem going to be? Which you would think that'd be an easy question to find the answer to. So I Googled right before I filled it out, how long is the national anthem at the Super Bowl? And I was surprised that there's a big gap, a big spread in how long the national anthem is every year at the Super Bowl. A minute and 25, the lowest that, or the shortest amount of time it's been sung in, and the longest being two minutes and 36 seconds. That's a huge difference, over a minute longer of singing the exact same song. How does singing the same song take a minute longer? I mean, surely people are adding their own twists and turns to the song. I mean, clearly people are changing the song. So at some point, is it even still the same song? Saturday Night Live did a funny sketch on this truth. Take a look at this kids. They did so good with that sketch. I mean, is it still the same song? So much added that the song has been completely changed. Um, This happens in other parts of our life too. There is a recipe that gets passed down from generation to generation, but at some point, if so much gets added to it, it's no longer the same recipe. Junior hires, when I was a youth pastor, I mean, they will just add Axe spray to all of their body stench, but it, it doesn't cure... The body stench at summer camp, it just changes everything. It just, it, ugh, it's just a completely different smell. Sometimes adding things completely changes the nature of the thing when something is added to it. In fact, to a much greater degree, that's what the book of Galatians, this incredible book in the Bible that we've been studying, says happens to the core message of the Christian faith. If you are new to Mariner's Church this weekend, so glad you're with us. We're walking through one of the books in the Bible, the book of Galatians. The Bible is really one story of God pursuing a people for himself, but that one story is broken into 66 different books. The book of Galatians, an incredible book, reminds us of the essential core message of the Christian faith, which is the gospel. Gospel means good news, and this makes the Christian faith unique from every other world religion because, The gospel, the essence of the Christian faith is not good commands of things you must do to get God to love you. It's not good advice about how you must live to flag God down with all of your righteousness and perfection, not the message at all of the Christian faith. The message is good news about what God has done for us. It's good news that God the Father sent God the Son to take our sin and our shame away, to make us one with Himself. This is news about what Christ has already done for us, not advice about what we do to get His attention. So every other religion, it's advice, advice about, hey, do this, do this, do this, do this, to get God to love you. Oh man, the gospel. Mm. It's good news about what Christ has done for us. Now, the reason the book of Galatians was written is because we have this tendency, this proclivity to add to the good news. Just like people are adding to the Star Spangled Banner and completely changing it, and it's no longer the same song. The apostle Paul writes the book of Galatians and says to a group of people, listen, you are adding to the good news, the gospel. You're trying to supplement the gospel of Jesus. And by supplementing the gospel, you're supplanting the gospel and it's no longer the good news. And because now you don't have the good news, you're exhausted. You are tired because you can't rest in what Jesus has done for you. And so he calls the Galatians back to resting in the good news of Jesus. We're gonna see this as we turn to Galatians chapter 3 today. Verse one, this is what the Apostle Paul writes. He says, you foolish Galatians. I mean, he's, he's a little bit upset, right? <laughs> I mean, you foolish Galatians. Now, the reason he's upset is because they're adding to the pure, beautiful message of Jesus. You foolish Galatians, who has cast a spell on you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Here's what the apostle Paul is saying. If you stop holding to the purity of the good news of Jesus, somebody has cast a spell on you and you're going to be exhausted because you're trusting something other than what Jesus Christ has done for you. And why would you trust something else or someone else other than Jesus before your eyes he was portrayed as crucified? Here's what the apostle Paul is saying to this group of people. You weren't there when Jesus died on the cross for your sins. So you didn't didn't see it happen, but when you believed the gospel, you saw it. You saw it. You vividly understood that Jesus on the cross for you was the moment in which all of your sin, your foolishness, your shame was placed on Him. And the moment, in which all of his forgiveness was placed on you. You got it, you understood. There was a time when you saw the wondrous work of Jesus on the cross for you. You believed in him, you trusted him, but now somebody has cast a spell on you and you're looking at something other than Jesus on the cross. You were trusting something other than Jesus on the cross. You were looking for something to add to Jesus on the cross, who has cast a spell on you? When I lived in Miami, I was a pastor there. We had every year at the church I was serving, the South Florida Easter Pageant, which was this really um, elaborate presentation of the Passion Week of Jesus. So um, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, the South Florida Easter Pageant. It was this major event that we put on every year and so I was hanging out in the breezeway patio area outside before the pageant began. And I was just walking around, shaking hands with people, welcoming people to the church. And there was this one couple there that I could tell they were really agitated. I mean, they, you just tell sometimes, right? Like, you know, sometimes church people get that way. They're just, they just were frustrated. And so I'm, I'm just going to try to lovingly disarm them. And so I walked up and said, Hey, my name's Eric. How are you doing? And they immediately just abruptly started asking questions. And this was the main question. Is it going to be different this year? I, I said, um, what, what do you mean? Is it, um, is the pageant going to be different? Yeah. Is it going to be different this year? We came the last two years and it's the exact same. And I'm thinking as they're asking, I mean, what what do they want to be different? I mean, do they really want Jesus to not die on the cross? Do they they really not want Jesus to rise victoriously from the dead? Is it gonna be different this year? And so in in a loving yet a little bit snarky response, I said, he still rises from the dead. And trust me, that is not disappointing for you. He still rises from the dead. See, that couple thought that they needed something other than Jesus. They wanted something other than Jesus on the cross. They wanted something other than Jesus rising from the dead. They wanted another story. And we do the same thing sometimes in our lives. We think that Jesus being crucified for us, that the good news of the gospel is maybe what we need to become a Christian, but I want something else now. Give me something else now. And I have to confess, I I wrongly thought that a couple of years after becoming a Christian. I thought, hey, I needed the gospel to have my sins forgiven, to become the son of God, to belong to him. But now surely that's elementary and I can move on from that. Have you thought that? Have you thought that, you know, I needed Jesus to become a Christian, but now it's on me, now I can move on. And the Apostle Paul, he's writing the book of Galatians and he's saying, somebody's cast a spell on you if you think that. If you think you need something else other than Jesus, if you're looking for something other than Jesus to be what makes you right with God, what unites you with other Christians, what satisfies your soul, then somebody has cast a spell on you because there was a time in your life when you saw Jesus crucified, you saw it in the, the, your mind's eye, in your heart, that melted you, that Jesus died for you, but somebody has cast a spell on you. And then he, he continues. I'm, I'm gonna walk us through this text. He says in verse two, I only wanna learn this from you. Did you receive the Spirit? Meaning when you became a Christian, Holy Spirit of God moved into you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? A rhetorical question. Surely, when you became a Christian, you received the Holy Spirit, not by all the good things you did. It wasn't like you did a bunch of good things and the Holy Spirit said, hey, that's somebody who I'm gonna move into and change. No, you received the Holy Spirit by believing what you heard, that Jesus was crucified for you. Are you so foolish that after beginning by the Spirit, are you now finishing by the flesh? So you started this Christian journey with the Holy Spirit of God moving into you, but now you're gonna try to finish this in your own effort and your own strength? Verse four, did you experience so much for nothing if in fact it really was for nothing? So then does God give you the Spirit and work miracles among you by your doing the works of the law or is it by believing what you heard? Just like Abraham who believed God and was credited to him for righteousness. So Paul's writing to some real Christians, just like he would be writing to Mariner's church. And he knows among them, there's miracles that took place. And Mariner's church, there's miracles that's taken place among us. Marriages that have been restored. Healings that God has brought among his people. Relationships that have been renewed. Wayward children that have come home. Forgiveness of sins that has been granted. I mean, there's been miracles among God's people at our church. But was that because we did good things? or was that simply by the grace of God? It was only by the grace of God. And then the apostle Paul reminds us that the first evidence we have early in the story of the Bible in the book of Genesis of somebody receiving righteousness wasn't because of the person doing good things, but was only because the person believed in God. And that was Abraham. Abraham believed in God, book of Genesis, and it was credited to him as righteousness, his faith equated the righteousness, the forgiveness of God being on Abraham. And Paul is saying to us, the scripture is saying to you, God is saying to you, you are right with God, not because you have kept the rules. You are right with God if you have believed in him. Now let's keep reading. The the next text, verse seven, or the next verse you know then that those who have faith are Abraham's sons. Now the scripture saw in advance that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and proclaim the gospel ahead of time saying, all nations will be blessed through you. Consequently, those who have faith are blessed with Abraham who had faith. So Abraham believed and he was now the son of God. He was forgiven. And those of us who believe we are his children too. So if you grew up in church, you might've gone to Vacation Bible School, which we have at Mariner's Church this summer. If you're a parent, get your kids signed up. It's gonna be incredible. And if you went to Vacation Bible School, you might've remember singing the song, Father Abraham had many sons. Remember this? And many sons had Father Abraham, and I am one of them. So we it it was really a weighty theological song to sing as a five-year-old. What we were singing when we sang that song was, hey, I belong to God because I had faith just like Abraham had faith. We did not sing, as kids, Father Moses. Now, why why do I say that? Because that's what Paul is emphasizing. He's emphasizing to a group of people that are returning to the law, that, hey, you are right with God, not by the law, not by works of the law. Abraham, in the story of the Bible, comes before Moses. Moses is who God used to give the law to the people. And the law we couldn't keep only shows us we need Jesus who keeps it for us. But we sing the song, Father Abraham, because we're children of the promise. We have forgiveness because we've believed in God just like Abraham believed. We don't sing, Father Moses had many sons and I am one of them because I've kept the law, because I've obeyed the rules, because I've been a good kid. That's not what we sing. Because we belong to God not by the works of the law, law came through Moses, we belong to God because we have faith just like Abraham had faith. And this is the whole argument that Paul is saying. The good news of the gospel happened with Abraham, not with Moses. And so don't use Moses to try to wipe out the promise given to Abraham. All right, let's continue. And then verse 10, scripture says, so if you try to rely on the works of the law, it's not gonna be good for you. If you move away from Abraham, from faith, from blessing, it's not good for you. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse because it is written. Everyone who does not do everything written in the book of the law is cursed. Okay, hang with me here, because this passage is a bit, is a bit terrifying that we would be cursed. But the scripture is saying, if you attempt to stand before God based on what you do, then you are, you're cursed. And this language of cursed, this is not the first place that we see it in the Bible. We first see cursed happen in the third chapter in the Bible, Genesis chapter three, when sin enters the world, God curses Satan, the serpent. The ground is cursed because of our sin. And then when the law is given to God's people in Deuteronomy, The scripture says that to the God's people, listen, if you will keep the whole law, you're blessed. Everything will be blessed. Your house will be blessed, your family will be blessed, your land will be blessed. If you keep the whole law, if you obey all the commandments, you'll be blessed. But if you don't keep the law, you will be cursed. If you don't keep the entire law, you'll be cursed. And a Jewish person in this culture, oh, loathe the idea of being cursed, of being cursed. I mean, the ma- what would it be like to be cursed? Me, cursed, my land, cursed, my family, cursed, my job, cursed, my identity, cursed, everything I try, nothing works, nothing satisfies, cursed. So in this culture, the, the longing was to be blessed, for God to look at you and bless you, to take care of you, to provide for you, to protect you, but to be cursed, this would be terrifying. So if you grew up in that culture, you long to be blessed, you loathe the idea of being cursed. And in fact, in the Old Testament, when God's people would get together, at the end of every time they would gather, a priest would pronounce a blessing over the people. Numbers chapter six, verse 24 and 26 was this blessing. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look with favor on you and give you peace. Bless you. So God's people wanted to be blessed. Nobody wanted to be cursed. But this text is saying that if you rely on the works of the law, then you would be cursed because unless you keep all of the law, you fall short. So why would you not trust Jesus? Why would you trust your own good deeds? Why would you trust your own effort, your own merit, your own morality? Because if you trust yourself, you fall short of the holiness and the character of God and you are cursed. This is what Paul is telling the Galatians. Why are you trying to move on from Jesus on the cross? Because if you try to move on from Jesus, then you are Cursed! Don't you want to be blessed? Now, this next this next section of scripture um, is amazing because the apostle Paul writes about what God does for us to be blessed. And I'm so thankful for the mothers who have loved us well. And if you have a mother who loved you well, you saw a glimpse of the loving heart of God in your mom. If you grew up and you did not have a mother who loved you well, I want you to see the loving heart of God expressed to you. He's this perfect father who loves his children so much. I want you to see his love expressed to you. Whether you had great parents growing up or you had bad parents growing up, God loves you. His love is much greater than any parent's love is for you. And you're gonna see the shocking love of God in these verses because, We're under a curse, all of us, because we couldn't keep the law. All of us have fallen short. But notice what God does for us. God the Father in sending God the Son, Jesus. Verse 11, now it is clear that no one is justified before God by the law because the righteous will live by faith, but the law is not based on faith. Instead, the one who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, by becoming a curse for us. Because it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. This shows the shocking love of Jesus for you. The shocking love of God. Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. See, in the Old Testament, the people wanted to be blessed. But criminals who had disobeyed the law of God and had wronged their fellow humanity, if they were sentenced to death for all of the things that they did, they would be stoned to death and then they would be hung from a tree. A criminal would be hung from a tree and they would be they would stay there. They, the criminal, the, the dead body would stay hanging from the tree essentially to send a signal to everybody who walked by, that person is cursed. Don't be like that person. That person is the epitome of cursed. Cursed by God, cursed by people, never be like this person. Now this is shocking because what this text is teaching us is that Jesus loves you so much that you could not keep the law, that Eric could not keep the law. And because I could not keep it, I am under a curse. But Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us because it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. And Jesus, as he was nailed to the cross, becomes the curse of our sin so that all of our curse is placed on him. This is how much he wants you to be his son, how much he wants you to be his daughter. He was cursed. Jesus was cursed on the cross to take away the curse of our sin. He was cursed physically, spat on, beaten, humiliated, crown of thorns jammed on his skull and blood flowed, whipped, flogged, forced to carry his own cross, so exhausted that he could not even carry it the entire way. He was cursed physically, but more than the curse that Jesus endured physically, Jesus was cursed spiritually, emotionally, because all of our sin and our foolishness placed on Jesus. I heard a sermon in my late 20s about this passage right here. It was an old tape. R.C. Sproul was the preacher. And he preached this passage. And I remember I was, lived in Miami at the time. I had to pull over in my truck because I had, I had a hard time composing myself. It shattered me so much. And I remember sitting there, hands on the steering wheel, weeping as R.C. Sproul explained this text, saying that God the Father looked at God the Son and essentially said, I damn you. I place all of the sins of the entire world on the Holy One of God so that I can bring to myself sons and daughters of God. Jesus was cursed so that we could have the curse removed from us, Martin Luther, the great reformer, he said this about what happens on the cross. Our merciful father in heaven saw how the law oppressed us and how impossible it was for us to get from out from under the curse of the law. He therefore sent his only son into the world and said to him, you're now Peter, the liar, Paul, the persecutor, David, the adulterer, Adam, the disobedient. The thief on the cross, you, my son, must pay the world's iniquity. The law growls, all right, if your son is taking the sin of the world, I see no sins anywhere else, but in him, he must die on the cross. And the law kills Christ, but we go free. See, Jesus was cursed for us on the cross. Jesus becomes the husband who cheats on his wife. Jesus becomes the man who steals, the one who, Steals be a tax evasion. He becomes the, the porn addict. He becomes the workaholic. He becomes the mom who neglects her children. He becomes the wayward son. He becomes all of our sin. All of our shame is placed on Jesus. He was cursed for us. God the Father looked at God the Son and said, I damn you. All of our curse is placed on Jesus. This is shocking the love of God. Jesus was cursed so you could be blessed. See on the cross, the opposite of the priestly blessing happened to Jesus. The light of the countenance of the father was not on Jesus as he was cursed on the cross. The entire world was dark. It wasn't light, it was dark as Jesus was cursed. The favor of God did not rest on Jesus as he was on the cross. The condemnation of God rested on Jesus as he was on the cross so that we could go free, so that our sin would be removed from us, so that our shame would be no more. See, on the cross, Jesus cursed so that we could be blessed. My mom an incredible mother, my wife, an incredible mother. I've heard both of them say this before. And moms, I'm sure you've said this as well. When your child is sick and they are suffering, I've heard moms say, my wife and my mom, I would much rather take this sickness that you have, the suffering that you have, I would much rather take it on myself than to see you suffer. Oh, isn't that a loving statement by a mom? To say, I so hate seeing the child that I love so much suffer. I would rather suffer in his place, in her place. Oh, the love of a mother to her son, to her daughter. Oh, the love of Jesus to his son, to his daughter. That Jesus becomes the curse so that we could be blessed. Jesus was cursed so that you could be blessed. So the family at the South Florida Easter pageant who wants another story. Is it gonna be different this year? They don't need another story. They need more of this story, the story of Jesus. Paul is writing Galatians and he's saying, you don't need more than the gospel. You need the gospel more. You don't need more than the gospel. Don't move on from Jesus. You don't need more than the gospel. You need the gospel more. Don't forget that Jesus was vividly portrayed as crucified for you. And as you reflect on Jesus, you remember that your sins are forgiven. As you reflect on Jesus, you no longer wrestle with, am I enough? Am I enough? Am I doing enough? Am I enough of a mom? Enough of a dad? Enough of a parent? Enough of a coworker? You don't think that anymore because you realize that Jesus has declared you to be his son, his daughter, that Jesus is enough for you. Jesus was cursed so that you could be blessed. So right now, if you are wrestling with, I'm not enough. I just feel like I'm average in everything. I'm not enough. I'm not enough to get into the school that I want to get into. I'm not enough to get the job that I I wanna get to. I sent 34 applications and I haven't heard anything. I just feel like I'm not enough. Remember that the sacrifice of Jesus for you is complete. Jesus was cursed so that you would be blessed. You are now his forever son or daughter. Maybe you wrestle with, is he gonna leave me? Is God gonna stop loving me? Would he leave me like my dad left me or my mom left me or my spouse left me? No. He will never leave you or forsake you. God, the father gave up God, the son, Jesus on the cross so that he would never give you up. Maybe you wrestle with, "Ah, am I really forgiven? I've done so many things in my life. I've fallen short so many times. There's things in my life that no one even knows about. Does God really care? Has he really forgiven me? Remember Jesus. He became the curse for you. All of your sin and shame is placed on Him. You go free. He was cursed so you would be blessed, those of us who trust Him and forgive. Maybe you think, maybe you think, is He mad at me? I messed up again this week. I broke a promise that I made last week. I can't keep my promises All of the anger of the Father, all of the wrath of the Father was poured out on Jesus on the cross. There is no more anger or wrath left for you. Jesus took it all. Jesus was cursed. So you will be blessed. The priestly blessing in number six was not true for Jesus on the cross. But for those of us who believe in him, it's true for us. The light of the favor of God is on us. The goodness and the mercy of God trails us all the days of our lives. We are forever his kids, forever his son, forever his daughter. The goodness of God fills us. The light of God is on us. The favor of God is always ours because of Jesus in, the, in our place, cursed on our behalf. Jesus was cursed so you would be blessed. This is the shocking love of God. How do we ever move on from this? You foolish Eric. Why would you ever move on from this? Rest, rest in what Christ has accomplished for you. Don't leave that behind and add to the glorious gospel because when you add to it, you abolish it, and now you're exhausted. Rest in what Jesus has done for you. You are blessed because Jesus was cursed for you. All right, extend your hands, please, and let me pray a prayer of blessing over you as we go. Jesus, I pray you'd bless your sons and daughters this week, that you would remind them that you were gentle and approachable and that you love them. Cause your face to shine on them I pray they will experience your mercy and your joy this new week. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Have a great week.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the Mariner's Weekend Message Podcast. To support the ministry of Mariner's Church, you can click the link in the show notes or download the Mariner's app at your favorite app store. If you've been navigating God's wisdom with us through this year's annual read and would like to hear personal reflections from pastors in your community, check out the Gospel Everyday podcast. Imagine feeding your heart, mind, and soul with the kind of practical wisdom that will change your life. If you haven't picked up the annual read yet, visit marinerschurch.org or download the Mariners app for more information on where to find it.